0: Okay, as we continue our journey through Luke's Gospel, we've come to chapter 7, uh, which is on page 1035 in the Church Bibles, 1035 Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to read two sections beginning at the first verse. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. And then we jump on to verse 36 over the page when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind him at his feet weeping She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. go in peace this is the word of the lord
1: thanks be to god as i sort myself out and thank you bob you read that beautifully as i sort myself out you might like to think who do you identify with the centurion or that woman come into the light. The centurion or the woman, I wonder. So, two stories where Jesus meets people. Firstly, we heard about the Roman army officer in Capernaum, whose servant was dying. And he sends the local Jewish leaders to Jesus to ask him to come and heal his servant. And then we hear about the, in quotes, sinful woman, who was probably the local prostitute, who bursts into a dinner organized by the local religious leaders and pours perfume over Jesus and kisses his feet. So if you were on mission with Jesus, if you were one of his disciples, what would you learn from the way Jesus dealt with these two very different people? There is a lot here about love and about forgiveness and about acceptance and about faith but I want to pick just uh, one aspect this morning that seems clear from both those stories. I think what these two stories, indeed all these encounters that we read about in Luke, shout out to me is this. There are no limits. No limits to God's love. There are no limits to God's grace and forgiveness and healing. And Jesus is demonstrating this with every person he meets. You may remember that a few weeks ago, Claire helped us to imagine some earlier scenes from Luke, where Jesus reached out and touched the untouchable he touched the leper and healed him. And then he healed the paralyzed man whose friends brought him down through the roof. And then he went on to call Levi, the possibly corrupt and despised tax collector, to be one of his trusted disciples. And this week, we have Jesus reaching across barriers again. He reaches across the cultural and religious barrier between Jews and Gentiles, and across the barriers that we put up as a society between those who are acceptable to us and those who aren't. But with Jesus, there are no limits. His good news is for all. No one is out of the reach of his love and forgiveness. Just think about that Roman centurion for a moment. He was part of the forces of a hated occupying power. If you want to try and think of it in more modern terms, think of it in the terms of a German officer in occupied France. Did that bother Jesus? No, that didn't bother Jesus. He went to heal. And although the centurion seemed sympathetic to the Jewish religion, and those Jewish friends came to find Jesus, on his behalf, it was probably very unwise for anyone who wanted to be a religious leader of the Jews to actually go to the house of a Gentile. But that didn't bother Jesus either. And Jesus says that he finds more faith in this Gentile centurion than in the people of Israel, something not designed to make him very popular with the people of Israel. But that didn't bother Jesus either. And then think about that woman, unacceptable in so many ways, despised by those around her, ostracized, only able to live on the margins of society. Probably excluded from the synagogue, but Jesus accepts what she offers. He shows he understands her. He acknowledges her love. He shows her respect, and he stands up for her against the hostile Pharisees. And he forgives her and gives her a new life. No limits. No limits to God's love. Jesus is the barrier breaker. The one who refuses to accept the labels that are put on by society. Who shows that no one can put themselves outside of God's love and forgiveness. So what about us? Here we are on mission with Jesus here today in Camberley. What does it mean to us to follow an unconventional barrier-breaking God? I want to give you a little exercise to start with, get your brains going. If I ask you this question, what comes to mind? Who do you think Is the least likely person to become a Christian? Who do you think is the least likely person to become a Christian? Give you a few seconds to think about that. I don't know who you have thought of. But I do think asking that question shows us something of the limits we put on God's power. Like the Pharisees, who thought of God as only the God of Israel, a God who wouldn't consort with Gentiles. Or the Pharisees who thought of him as only the God of the righteous, who would hate sinners. This shows, I think, that we often have an image of God that is too small. Now perhaps when I said that, you thought of someone who seemed completely, who seems completely opposed to Christianity. Perhaps you're thinking of somebody like a jihadist fighter who seems to follow a completely different creed. Or perhaps you're just thinking of somebody you know Seems completely opposed to Christianity, or perhaps you're thinking of the person who you have prayed for faithfully year on year, perhaps somebody in your family or a friend, and you're beginning to think that they will never become a Christian. I think this is what God wants you to hear this morning there are no limits no limits to God's power and love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There are no limits to God's love. So that's the first thing I want to say, but then I want to just add something else. Having said that there are no limits to God's love and power, I want to return to our limits again. If you look at this passage, Jesus is absolutely thrilled by the uncomplicated... No... Yes, back. Uncomplicated faith of the centurion. And I'm going to read this. Lord, notice that the centurion calls Jesus Lord. Lord, he says, you needn't come. You just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, I haven't seen such faith even in Israel. Jesus is not often surprised, as far as I can see in the Gospels, but here he is. Now, if we are on mission with Jesus, what part does our faith play in God's work? Can we enable God to do more by our faith? Or is there any sense that our lack of faith can limit God? Now, can I say that I don't have all the answers to this? I think there is a bit of a mystery about how faith works, just as there is a bit of a mystery about how prayer works. But I do want to throw out a few thoughts. So can our lack of faith... Limit God? And in one sense, the answer to that must be no. God is all powerful. God will do what He will do. He has a plan which He is rolling out across the ages, and we now here are only a small part of that plan. But, and there's always a but. God chooses to work with us and through us. Instead of bringing in his kingdom straight away with hordes of angels and claps of thunder, he has chosen the more risky way, the more vulnerable way, and the more glorious way. He has chosen to reach out to others in love through us, his followers, his church. We are co workers with God, and He has limited Himself in a way to work through us and to work in us. And I think that is what Jesus is teaching His disciples. As we go through this gospel, we will see Jesus training them up. He is showing them the power of God at work through Him in healing and miracles and then he sends them out to do the same and he prepares and trains us like that as well so can we limit God's work well I think if God wants to do something he will always do it he will always do it but he may not do it through me I can say no to what he asks, and then he will go elsewhere. I can refuse to believe that God can work through me, and then he will go elsewhere. And I can refuse to pray or to take action with trust and with faith, and then he will go elsewhere. It's interesting that in these gospel stories, Jesus seems to need some faith in him and around him to be able to work. When he visits his hometown of Nazareth, they despise him. Remember he says a prophet is without honor in his own country. They say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Don't we know his mother and his brother and his sisters? In Mark 6, it says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And because of this, he could not do any miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Actually, that sounds pretty good to me. But um, presumably, he would have been able to do more otherwise. So faith seems to be important. But it may not, perhaps, be much faith. Jesus commends the centurion here for his great faith simply because he seems to know that Jesus has only to say the word of command for healing to happen. And elsewhere, Jesus talks of faith the size of a tiny mustard seed that can move mountains. It may not be about us trying to generate some level of faith in us that isn't really there. So, two things really, no limits. God has no limits, but I may be the limiting factor. In my life, I know I often find myself echoing the words of the father of that boy uh, in uh, another gospel story where he says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I'm sure that you're like me often. There's that sense that you believe, but you also have unbelief. There's two things warring around in you. So that I know that I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus can still heal and rescue and save. I believe he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe and know all Jesus has done for me but can I believe that Jesus can heal through me when I pray for someone can I believe that people will want to know about Jesus if I tell them can I believe that Jesus can still do something amazing and miraculous here and now in this church in this place in this time Sometimes my heart and my head say different things and listen to the lies. God can't do that. God won't do that. God won't do that here and now today. God won't do that for me. So, if there's one message from today, it is that there are no limits no limits to what God can do. Do be encouraged by that. But can I also say, and here's the challenge, can we say, I am going to say that there is no limit to what God can do through me. I am going to stop limiting God. That's all I wanted to say, but I want you to do something. So um, there's a question going to come up on the screen. She says, in faith, yes? And here's the question. I didn't think God could do that, but he did. Can you think of a time when God surprised you, the day God surprised you? and did something that you didn't think he could do through you. I didn't think God could do that, but he did. Actually, I've already heard some things in this service today that were along those lines. And what I'd like you to do is... um, Think about that. We'll give you a few seconds to think about that. And then if you feel comfortable with this, I'd like you to talk to the person next to you. If you don't know the person next to you, please introduce yourself. And just think, if you can think of an instance where God surprised you, where you didn't think God could do it, and perhaps you prayed about it, but he did it. He did it. Okay, a few seconds of thinking time. Just ask God to bring something to mind. Something that you didn't think God could do, that he did. Okay, now you can talk to each other and um, see if there's something you can share to encourage somebody else about God.